Welcome to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast, helping people who want to improve their health and change their mindset around food so they can live the life they were designed and called for. I am your host, Adrian Delgado, and in this podcast, I'll give you step-by-step action plans to reach your health goals, as well as my favorite recipes I know you and your family will enjoy. Let's get started. and welcome to another episode of Nourish, Eat, Repeat. Today we have a special guest on the show that I'm so excited for you to meet because we are going to talk about a topic that pretty much everyone I know is impacted by. So I know I struggle with this at times. I know some of you may struggle with this at times. And so I think we're going to have a really great conversation to help us move forward. All right, so let me introduce you to our guest today. Melissa Ike is a former registered nurse turned functional wellness coach dedicated to empowering women to achieve balance in both their lives and bodies. Melissa lives in South Dakota with her husband and three children, and she leads by example, emphasizing the importance of self-care and prioritizing one's well-being. With over five years of experience running her thriving coaching business, Melissa has positively impacted the lives of numerous women, encouraging them to live authentically and wholeheartedly by nourishing themselves first. Her commitment to guiding others on their wellness journeys has evolved to encompassing the entire woman physically, mentally, and emotionally. Have you heard the news? We started a brand new membership program called My Nutrition Coach, and you're invited to join. At Bodymetrics, most of our clients come to us through their medical health insurance plan. Unfortunately, most insurances don't offer enough sessions to see big results. And some plans, they don't cover nutrition services at all. At Bodymetrics, we are passionate about helping our clients see results and making nutrition accessible to everyone. That's why we created My Nutrition Coach, a program that offers education and accountability between one-on-one sessions and an affordable option for those without coverage. Inside the membership, you'll get access to weekly teachings, nutrition-focused goals to work on, recipes, a private community page for support, a video resource library, and an opportunity to ask questions to a real dietitian. This helpful program is available right now for only $9.99 a month, or $99 if you sign up annually but it's important to us to make sure we're a good fit for you. So we're offering a special 30-day free trial if you sign up now. To start your free 30-day trial, simply go to bodymetricshealth.com and click on the Programs tab. There, you will see My Nutrition Coach. Simply click for more information and to join. We can't wait to see you inside the membership. Melissa, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. We are so excited to have you here because like I said in the intro, I don't know anyone who doesn't struggle with stress and figuring out how to manage their stress. I mean, between kids and work and life and, you know, just stressful moments. Um, At this time that we're recording this episode, there's actually an escaped 
fugitive, escape murderer running loose near my town. So, you know, oh, if it was oh I saw yeah. that on the news this morning. I was like, they still haven't gotten him. Like, wow. Right. So <laughs> I haven't gotten him yet. So I feel like everybody's stress level, hopefully by the time this episode airs, this <laughs> will be so. a thing of the past. But as of now, we're still, still dealing with this two and a half weeks later. So um, Melissa, we need your help. So let us know a little <laughs> bit more about you and how you got into this line of work. Yeah. So um, like you said in the intro, I'm a registered nurse and I turned women's um, functional health coach. It didn't actually start out that way. I um, So long story short, um, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer when I was um, 20. Two, 22. So, and she was 42 and she ended up passing away when she was 47. Um, and that's very young. And I, um, kind of made it my life's mission to make sure that I did everything that I could to make myself as healthy as I possibly could, knowing that my genetics were kind of the, 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 how they say is the gun is loaded with your genetics and then your environment, what you do with it, it really determines your future. So I was like, how can I do everything I can to make sure that I'm, I can be here as long as possible for my kids. Um, that in addition to, I did bodybuilding, which, um, is, is a whole nother extra level of stress. We're not going to talk and talk about today, but I did bodybuilding and, um, then people started just asking me for help. Like, can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? And so it, that's how my coaching business evolved. And then I started to bring the functional side into it. And what I really started to find out while I was helping women achieve their comp body composition goals was that um, the reason people couldn't achieve it is because of stress. The reason why women would often start and then stop was because of their stress or the reason why all of their efforts wasn't really turning out to what their expectations were or what their body was capable of or could be capable of was because of their stress. And it was, it's just the Achilles heel to all of our health efforts because if our stress is unmanaged, then we are just going to be spinning our spinning our tires and we're not going to be making very much progress because we're just constantly staying in this fight or flight state and your body can't heal. Your body can't change. Your body can't um, help you reach that next level when it's stuck in fight or flight all the time. Yeah. And I can imagine if somebody's not recognizing that stress is the root cause of why they're not achieving certain results and they have this mentality, well, I just need to push harder. I just need to work more. I need to, you know, add something else to my plate because surely that will be what makes the difference. You can see now why people are, like you said, are spinning their wheels. They're not getting the results. Yeah. You're just, they're just focusing on the wrong thing. And it is, it's not because it's their fault. It's really how we've been fed information and in that you have to work harder. You have to work. Um, you have to try harder. Like you're not doing enough. It's always, you're not doing enough when actually sometimes you just need to take a step back and look at the whole picture and where are you actually doing really well? And what are some areas that you can take a step back in and start taking yourself, taking care of yourself in another way? We, as women, especially are not meant to go a hundred miles per hour, uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We are meant to be humans who take rests and to, um, allow ourselves to kind of take some things off of our plates, but we've, we just, we don't, we are not taught that as young girls anymore. We're taught just to keep pushing harder and harder and harder. And pretty soon we're just burned out. And then we're like, well, what's wrong with me? 
And it's like, nothing's wrong with you. You just actually have a human body that's adapting. And we, now you need to listen to your body so you can continue to not push, but you can continue to evolve to the next version of you. Yeah. So I want to actually take a, a moment and talk about the physiology of stress. Like how does it affect our bodies? Yeah. So the stress, the first thing that you have to know about stress is that it's simply the perception of stress that matters because what we know is true is that like what you and I could think is this, what I think is a stressor. You may come into my house and be like, that's not even a, why are you stressed out about that? And vice versa. I could go into your house and you think something's very stressful or you perceive something very stressful. And I would be like, that's just not even a big deal. Right. But that doesn't really matter to our bodies. Our bodies just care that you have initiated a stress response with your mind. And now your mind is going to send messages to your adrenal glands, which are these tiny little organs that sit on top of your kidneys that push out the stress response hormones. And that's, um, adrenaline and then cortisol. And so the adrenaline is what makes you feel that fight or flight type of symptom. So that's where you will have more muscle tension. It's very, you're very laser focused. You breathe through your chest you, um, become very, um, like less resilient. You, you become very just laser focused on the problem. Right. So, um, some people are very aware of what stress feels like in their body. And some people are very disconnected as to what stress feels like in their body. Um, one of the things that I teach my clients about how to understand if you're in fight or flight is where do you feel it in your body? Um, uh, because these, the adrenaline hormone is going to, be there and it's telling you something and where is it sitting in your body for you? So for example, for me, when I'm stressed out and it also depends on the types of stressor, I found out I can feel it in different areas of my body. So when I'm sitting on my computer screen and I'm stressed out about something on my computer screen, or it's with my clients and I'm coaching all day and I'm just starting to feel a lot of stress with it, I will notice it definitely in my jaw. And that's where my muscle tension, that's where all of it goes right there. And when I'm at home with my kids, it all sits on my shoulders. And I, and you can see how theoretically that would make sense, right? I feel like the weight of the world is on my shoulders in my home. And I feel like that, um, all of the, the weight of my, my business and my coaching and my clients is all within my job because it all has to come without my outside my mouth, right? It's all about my communication. And so, you know, that is that signal inside your body telling you, are you in a state of, um, fight or flight? One thing about when we say fight or flight is that that's the, that's the kind of go-to term to know that are you in a stress response or not, but that's not always how women will respond to stress. A lot of times women will be in a freeze or a fawn state. And what this will look like is a freeze just means that you are doing nothing. And now it's not just like freezing, just standing there with your body or just sitting there. Um, it looks like, you know, you have something you need to be doing, but you just can't get yourself to do it because you're so overwhelmed. That's also a response to stress. And then fawn is another one that women will often do. And fawning means that you are um, not focusing on yourself at all. You've completely disconnected from yourself and you only give towards others. So that means you just put yourself on the back burner and this can go on for days and days and days. And you just continue to give to others and put out fires around you. And that is fawning. And a lot of times women will resonate with those more than they will resonate with the freeze or the, um, the, the fight or flight response. Oh, I um, definitely know my freeze response is I'll just scroll on Instagram or Facebook 
forever. And I don't even, I'm not even physically looking at posts. My eyes are like glazed over, but yet I will just scroll and scroll because that feels more comfortable than anything else that I could be taking action in that moment. Yeah. And I'll, I do the same. If I am, um, if I'm stressed and if I'm overwhelmed, I will definitely scroll on my phone. And a lot of women do, will do this as well. And I will have moments where I'm like, you're just stuck in this phone. And I'll say to myself, like, you just can't get out. And I'll realize, and then my thumb just keeps going and it just keeps <laughs> going. And I'm like, I want to shut it off, but I like can't. And it's that, it's that, you know, that, that strong connection that we have with all those, you know, those dopamine hits every time we scroll up with our, our thumb that we actually feel just a little bit better for a second, for like a millisecond. And then we just continue to feel worse after that. But, um, so that's the, that's the basics of the fight or flight responses. So the, the most important thing that we want to understand is that it all comes from the perception. So a lot of times I'll ask women, okay, tell me about your level of stress. And they'll say, well, it's no more than anybody else. And I, that's a great teaching moment because I'm like, actually, you just can't compare yourself to anybody else because what matters most is how do you perceive your stress? And if you're comparing your stress to somebody else's, that's not fair to you. That's not fair at all because you have to give yourself the, the like step back and really see how do I actually perceive my stress? Like, do I really like, do I freak out about the shoes on the floor? If that's you, you're putting yourself into that stress response every time you see the shoes on the floor. And so we need to just take a step back and it doesn't matter if your neighbor has the same amount of stress for you, but she doesn't seem to be stressed at all. Right. So you can't compare your stress to somebody else's. Um, you have to take a step back and really look at how you respond to the stress in your life day in and day out. Yeah, I think that's a really important point because we get stuck in in that comparison cycle and and I should be able to handle this and this should be fine and everybody else around me doesn't seem to be struggling but yet here I am scrolling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then and then the thing that comes with that is like so much blame. I'm so like, what's wrong with me? And it's like, nothing's wrong with you. You are doing like normal human things that your, your brain is trying to find a way out of this. And you just want to take a step back and say, okay, how can I actually um, take care of my stress instead of contributing to it and just hope it gets better? Yeah, I like that. So how exactly does stress negatively impact us from reaching our goals, specifically even our health goals? Yeah. Um, so a lot of times when, um, with, you know, clients is like with our health goals, there's different, you know, there's a variety of different things. How do I want to improve my health? Um, if it comes down to, you know, let's say you're wanting to put muscle on your body as a woman and you're starting to strength train and you're starting to, um, focus more on nutrition and do those kinds of things. Um, you are going to notice that if your stress is, is not managed and you are in a fight or flight all the time that you are not able to make the changes you really want to see on your body because, your body, when your body is stressed and it senses the stress, it does not feel safe. And when your body does not feel safe, it's number one priority is to find safety. And so what it does is that it will hold on to all the resources that it needs. That means it will hold on to your body fat. So your body fat is a wonderful protect is a wonderful protection. It is your like number one resource that is literally stored on your body. 
And if your body's like, Hey, we're not safe here because we are sensing this stress all the time. I don't know why she's walking around. She's stressed. She doesn't seem to feel like things are good here. I don't know what's going on. We're going to hold on to the body fat. We're not going to use that as fuel. We're not going to use that. Um, we're just going to store it for later because we don't trust that things are good out there. And then when it comes to, you know, let's say you're lifting weights in the gym and you're trying to become stronger. Well, your body's not really concerned with putting on muscle at this point, if it's just simply trying to keep you alive. So all of those efforts that are going on in the gym of trying to be putting on muscle actually becomes more of a catabolic activity where now you're breaking down in the gym because that's the whole purpose of it, right? You lift the weights, you break down your muscle. And, but what happens when you are chronically stressed, your body doesn't get to rebuild that muscle. And now you're just in a breaking down state. Um, and then also when it comes to like hormonal health for women, when you are wanting to have more balanced hormones and having that yin yang effect, because hormones are always a yin yang and one is up, the other is down and vice versa, is that they aren't able to find that balance. And that's because there's different things going on inside of the body that will also, um, be impacted from stress. So going back to those adrenal glands that release the, um, adrenaline and the cortisol, when they are pushed on too much and too often, after a while, they will start to downregulate stress hormones. And when downregulation comes, that means it's trying to keep the body in survival. It's trying to hold on to all resources. That's also going to impact hormones because once energy is downregulated, your hormones are also going to be downregulated. So then you're going to notice that you're going to have more hormonal imbalances. Your hunger and your fullness cues are more skewed. Like you don't really feel hungry or you feel hungry all the time. Um, you can also have, you know, sex hormone imbalances. So estrogen and progesterone ratios are off and that will make you feel pretty miserable as a woman as well. And so all of it kind of, it's just this downplay effect that happens over time and it doesn't happen overnight. It happens with chronic stress that's been happening, you know, day in and day out and day in and day out. And, you know, in our day and age, we're in 2023 right now, we are three years past that pandemic and we are still in massive recovery from it. Um, we still are, you know, still trying to get our feet on the ground and, and also I will say a lot of people are trying to run again, like we were running before, before COVID. Do you remember what that was like before COVID? And then we hit COVID and we were like, oh, wow, this is so different. I think we were supposed to be woken up from the, the stress and the busyness. I think this was trying to tell us something. And I think some people learned and I think some people didn't. And now people are just right back on to feet on the ground. We're going to run at full speed again. And this is just how we, we operate. And it was like, we were, we were trying to be woken up at one point. And we, I think have forgotten very quickly on what we were supposed to be learning during our rest during COVID. <laughs> so, yeah. well, and some people filled their time up with more unhealthy habits that contributed to yeah. stressing out the body. Um, yeah. And then I even know for our business, we moved everything over to virtual. We were very um, blessed that we were able to move our practice. Insurance companies um, allowed for us to do telehealth. But now that we're back in person full-time, we still do some some virtual appointments as well. But now it's like, now we're almost working twice as hard because we're running an a virtual practice as well as an in-person practice and trying to appeal to all the people where before we only had one specific dynamic that we were focusing on. So 
you know, in some respects, I feel like what COVID gave to us now has escalated stress levels in certain ways. And I don't know if other, other women feel that way in whether at home or professionally. Yeah, I think, I think absolutely. Because now that we're so much more comfortable with virtual based businesses, now we're almost demanded to be on call 24 seven, right? We have the ability to be available 24 seven. And unless you have those boundaries built in, which takes time and it takes understanding of yourself and it takes a lot of, um, like uh, self self development practices and things like that, um, you you need to have those boundaries in in place. Just because we can be available twenty four seven does not mean that we should be, um, or does not mean that it's appropriate at all either. You know, if you think back to the days when our grandparents were alive, you know, my grandma raised all these kids, you know, on a farm by herself. She had like seven kids. She was only, her, her job was to take care of her kids and to take care of her home. And outside of that, I, she didn't really have to run her kids to seven different practices every day. She didn't have to um, be available to all of, you know, the world around her on, online. And so stress these days looks so much different than what it is simply what, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. And as humans, we just don't evolve that quickly. And we've been asked to evolve very quickly. And so now our nervous systems are kind of on fleek because of it, because we're just not, we're not, we're not equipped for it yet. Yeah. I could not agree more with that. Uh, I don't know how many times I hear from my clients that they're logging on early to emails or, you know, they're working at nine o'clock at night because an email comes through and they want to take care of it. So it's not in their inbox the next day, but yet now they're sacrificing sleep and family time, which also feels, you know, very, um, they can feel shame around that, not spending time with their kids. Um, or, you know, for people that have moved their jobs to a virtual working from home, um, there's this constant, I don't know if it, I want to say guilt, that's not the right word, but there's this constant threat of, I don't want my boss to think I'm goofing off and not working. So then they put in even more time to be accessible at all moments because they don't want, since there's nobody physically looking over them, they want to make sure that they're justifying their new position out of their home. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I can totally see that too. Yeah. So definitely different layers that you know, we've added since the pandemic and, and not necessarily in a positive way. Melissa, yeah. do you think that stress levels change throughout the life cycle? Like, you know, do women struggle more with stress in their 30s and 40s than they do at other times versus their 60s and 70s? I'm thinking it might have to do with how many people you are taking care of <laughs> that adds to it or responsibilities, yeah. but I'd love to get your opinion. Yeah. So, um, this is really where I, I hope to make my, my impact on the world is where I can really help women in their thirties wake up and to see what are you doing to your body now that's impacting you in 20 years. Um, because the pushing hard all the time, you know, and in the thirties, a woman is is thriving in her career. She's, you know, she's moved past the first phase in her career. She's likely moving up on the ladder or she's, um, 
finishing, you know, master's degrees or whatever it is. She's really achieving a lot. In addition to that, she's probably has a partner. She probably has young children. She's probably not sleeping all night. She's probably pushing off a meal or two a day. She might be getting some workouts in, but sometimes doesn't get workouts in or might be doing the wrong kinds of workouts for her type of stress. And so this phase in your thirties is very stressful and women in their thirties, and early 40s are at the height, I believe, of their stress, which is actually the time of their life that they really need to be understanding their stress and managing their stress. Because a woman in her 30s and early 40s, she's getting ready to go into perimenopause. And once she gets into perimenopause, if she has drained her stress hormones that I talked about before, right? So we'll make a whole bunch of, um, cortisol in a way to protect ourselves. And then at some point your body is going to say, what the heck is going on? We're creating all this cortisol all the time, but we're not ever using it, right? Because cortisol is created to move out of, out of um, danger, right? So you have that spike in cortisol so you can move out of danger, fight or flight response. Um, it's going to say, we are not actually doing that because when we're raising our cortisol, what we're actually doing is we're sitting behind a computer and we're stressed about an email. We're sitting in traffic and we are late for work or wait for late for our kids' practices. Um, we're sitting on our phone and we're initiating stress responses over and over again, right? So we're not moving that cortisol out. We're simply sitting there. And what happens after time is your body's like, well, I don't know what's going on here, but clearly we're not using this cortisol and I don't like this all the time. And we need to protect her because too much cortisol is harmful for us. So now it's going to start to downregulate that. And when cortisol is downregulated and we're hardly producing any of it, now we feel tired all the time. And now we're sending other signals to our body that we don't have safety. Things are not good here. And then now we're down-regulating our, our sex hormones. So now we have an imbalance of estrogen and progesterone. And over time, once we move over into that perimenopausal phase, when we want to, when our own, our ovaries are no longer making the hormones that we want to be, um, making like we have before we go into perimenopause. Now it's our adrenals job to pick up some of that slack and be able to create some of those sex hormones for us so that we don't feel so miserable during perimenopause, but we don't have that anymore because our adrenals are kaput. They're over it. They've been strained. They don't understand what a stressor is and what a stressor isn't anymore. And they're just over it. So they're not going to support us in the way that we need to be supported at that phase in our life. And so now we go into perimenopause and menopause and we don't have any hormonal support from our adrenal glands, our ovaries are offline. And that will make us feel pretty darn miserable. It will make us feel tired on top of tired. We will be losing a lot of muscle mass. You know, we start to lose muscle mass in our forties, but now if we are at the bottom of the barrel, when it comes to energy production and hormone production, now we're really in the bottom of the barrel. Now we're really struggling. We just feel like, oh, all the time. And this is why once we reach that phase in our life, why some people really, really struggle. And, um, and also at this point is when, if you, if, you know, if you can imagine that you physically just don't feel good every single day, things hurt, you're putting on body fat, you're tired all the time, you never have energy. And in addition to that, when you do get a chance to sleep, you're not sleeping good, right? Cause you don't have hormonal balance. Um, your resilience to the things around you is very diminished. And so now because of so much chronic stress, now you're just can't be resilient to much at all. And so now you really feel 
now you really feel it. Now you really feel miserable. So the most important phase I believe in women's lives that they need to start paying attention to their stress and managing their stress is in their thirties to early forties, because that's when more is going to be asked of of us. And, um, and if we're not willing to take a step back and be choosy about our stress and be purposeful about what we're going to be stressed about, and also most importantly, what we're not going to be stressed about, um, we're going to be putting our bodies in a very tough spot in the next 10 to 20, 30 years. Yeah. Do you think some people are addicted to stress? Like an stress response? Yeah. That's one of the hardest things that, um, I can get through to a client is that they are so addicted to the feeling of stress that when they don't feel stressed, they are certain that something is wrong, that they're not doing it right, that they're missing something, right? How often have you sat on the couch thinking like, I can't possibly be done with everything. What have I missed, right? Thinking like I've, I've missed something very important and I do that myself. Um, and it's, you know, the feeling of stress actually feels kind of good sometimes because you get this adrenaline rush and you get this like, go, 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 go feeling, especially when you're in your thirties and early forties, like that can feel good. That can feel validating. That can feel motivating. Right. And so we rely on our body's ability to produce stress hormone in order to make us have that go, 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 go. Um, a lot of this comes down to creating your own energy. I teach this a lot, you know, how to create your own energy versus relying on stress hormones for energy. Um, but it's that feeling of, of like, it feels kind of good. And when you have a lot of stress hormone and you can be, you can be really productive. Um, and so it's that, and when you are addicted to that feeling and you think that you're doing life right, when you have that feeling, when you start to move away from it, And you start to move into more of like the rest and and the digest kind of feeling and phases, the other side of the nervous system, it can feel really unnerving because all of a sudden this feeling that you were kind of like attached to that you were doing life right and that you were being productive and you were doing everything that you should be doing, you're no longer having that physical sensation. So now you have to just rely on your own self to tell you that you're doing it right versus relying on stress hormones. And that can feel really unnerving. It can feel like an out-of-box feeling until you get used to it. Um, But it's one of the things that I um, is it's the hardest thing to do is to break that connection that you have with your stressors. Is that why when, well, I'll say even women that have, you know, postmenopausal women, right. You said it's something you have to get used to. Is that just a maturity thing? Because some of my favorite people are postmenopausal because they just, they lose their filter. They lose their, they get, they gain perspective of like what is really important. And I'm not going to give my time and energy to this. Where is that? Do you think that's just a maturity thing, an experience thing? I think it's definitely wisdom getting to a point in your life when you're like, wow, none of that mattered that I was so like all up in arms out for so much. And I think a lot of it is um, control, right? Or a lot of the reasons we're stressed is because we want to control all the things around us. And also like taking a step back and be like, why do you need to control everything? Because, and I always like to remind everyone that like, you're not actually in control of much. And so trying to micromanage all the things around you 
is going to deplete your very precious energy and it's, it's not worth it. And, you know, women's in their women in their thirties, twenties, thirties, forties, don't quite get that yet. I'm going to be 40 in a few months. So I'll put myself into that perspective because I'm looking forward to being a very <laughs> full of wisdom in 20 years and being able to <laughs> manage it better. Um, but yeah, I think that they're just full of so much more wisdom and they see more of the picture at that point. And yeah. And so. So what you talked a lot about, you, you kind of alluded to this fact of creating your own energy. What does stress management look like in this day and age? How do we, yeah. even, we know we're stressed. Maybe we don't know we're stressed, but how do we fix it? Mm -hmm. um, there's a few pillars that I think are very important. The first one is sleep. So sleep is where we reset, where we refuel, where your body cleans house and gets ready for the next day. If we are not sleeping at night, we're not able to, and then we will wake up and we will be immediately in a fight or flight state again. And then we just continue to go through it over and over again. And one of the most important things to have a good, not solid night of sleep is actually, what are you doing in the three hours before you go to sleep? Are you on your computer? Like we just said, when you're on your computer or you're on your phone, you are being stimulated by that blue light, which is producing more cortisol. And we want at that point, we want melatonin to be rising at that time in the evening um, before bed, because then you're allowed to get into that deep sleep and to get into good sleep patterns, have good quality, have good quantity. Um, but when we allow blue light into our eyes, we are now asking cortisol to come in and then cortisol and melatonin are yin yang hormones. Cortisol is up, melatonin is low. Um, so the screens, um, overhead lights in the evenings, again, we want to just promote like a, uh, an atmosphere or an environment that is very calming to our nervous system. And the other thing is avoid eating in the evenings. A lot of times people are consuming most of their calories later on in the day. And it's, that might be thinking like, what the heck does that have to do with my stress? Well, it does because now when you are eating your foods in the evenings, your body has to use cortisol to be moving those foods where they need to be and to, um, to assimilate those nutrients. And like I just said, cortisol and melatonin, they're yin yang hormones. And so now your body's not able to get into that deep sleep. And if you're not getting that deep sleep and the right quality and quantity of sleep at night, you're going to wake up into another fight or flight state. You're going to be very less resilient the next day. The perception of stress is going to be heightened. You can think about your toddlers at home, you know, when they don't get sleep, they're freaking out about everything. They're crying about everything. They're having fits about everything, right? Cause they didn't get proper amount of sleep and adults were not that far off from our toddlers. We just have less of a outburst, maybe, <laughs> maybe not depending on the situation. <laughs> But we also have the same type of perception. We just have less resiliency when we're not sleeping. So sleep is one of the number one ways to manage your stress. And if we're going to have good sleep, we have to be thinking, what am I doing three hours before I go to sleep? That's a really important part of your day. 
Um, and then the other part is how are you waking up? Because how you wake up is also how you, um, how you facilitate those, um, hormones in early on in the morning, we want to have a nice cortisol bump earlier on in the day so that we have less cortisol later on in the day, we're able to get into that deep sleep. But in order for that deep sleep to happen, we have to have our cortisol released earlier on in the day. And that's when we want to have our energy. That's when we want to create our energy. So we feel more resilient also in the earlier part of the day. And the other thing is that are, there's stress management tools out there, right? And I always say, you know, there's lots of tools out there. I encourage people to try all these different kinds of tools to see which one, which one do you like? Which one do you enjoy? Which one do you feel like gives you the most bang for your buck as, as far as like your time and energy goes? So meditation is a great one. And meditation Everyone that starts meditation often says meditation is terrible. I suck at it. I'm really bad. I, I just can't do it. And that's because they say they just get so distracted, right? Their mind just wanders off. But here's the thing. That's what meditation is. Meditation is the practice of sitting down. Your mind wanders. You notice that your mind wanders and then you bring it back. And that's what it is just over and over again. It's like a bicep curl, right? You, your bicep, you, that dumbbell goes down, you lift it back up, your muscle gets stronger. The same thing happens with your mind. Your mind um, wanders off in meditation and then you bring it back. And that's like a bicep curl, right? Over and over again, pretty soon your mind gets stronger and it knows how to move itself from a fight or flight state into a rest and digest when you practice meditation. And the other thing is practicing meditation. Um, yeah, you'll feel better right afterwards because you feel a little bit more calm, but people think like the big effect of meditation should happen shortly after like, oh, I've been doing it for a week. I don't feel any different. It's actually like like months of practicing meditation to be able to develop the skill of moving from fight or flight into rest and digest. So I always like to say too, don't just use it once and determine it doesn't work. Um, give it the time and effort that they, these kinds of tools deserve. Another one is breath work. There's lots of different types of breath work. Um, but the most important thing when you think about breathing is before, when I said, when you're in the fight or flight state, you will breathe in your chest, but we want to actually be breathing into our belly. Our belly is where we would facilitate more of the rest and digest hormones, more of that um, parasympathetic state that we want to be in. And so if you're ever noticing that, like, gosh, I feel kind of stressed, like breathe into your chest, or you notice that you're breathing all into your chest, which most people do. That's where most of the breathing is happening is in your chest. Focus on breathing into your belly. So really pushing that belly out and letting that belly get nice and full and round and then breathing and slowly letting out and then breathing out into your belly and then letting it in or letting it slowly out. So just shifting breathing from your chest into your belly while you're driving or while you're just sitting, reading a book or things like that can be really helpful as well. Um, there's lots of different types of breath work. Um, all of them are great. I think it's great to try them whenever, um, someone is like, I don't even know where to begin with breath work. I like to recommend insight timer. Um, it's an app on your phone. It's free. They have lots of different breath work sessions on there. They have lots of different meditations. That way you can be guided through them. Um, and that way you're not just like sitting on an Island by yourself, trying to figure out how to do these things. That way you can have some guidance there. Um, I also think journaling can be very helpful too, because, um, our minds are very full, right? We have information coming on all the time, so much information around us. And sometimes we just need to get it all out on paper. It's like having a conversation where you can just say what you want to put it on paper and just kind of release it. 
and also see what are the thoughts that you're kind of holding on to that are not helpful for you anymore. Especially if you have like a lot of recent um, outbursts or feeling like so overwhelmed and just feeling like you cannot get your, you can't get your emotional resiliency under control, sit down and journal it out. What's really bugging you? Why do you think it's bugging you? That's the other thing we were going to talk about is asking yourself really good questions. So often we are trying to create space between us and our stress. Like we don't want to be by our stress. Our stress kind of scares us. Right. And what my, um, my, my thought is actually you want to bring your stress closer because we can't manage something that's far away from us. That's a lot harder to manage something when you hold it far out from your body. But if you bring it closer, it's a lot easier to manage it. And a way that we can bring it closer is just by simply understanding it. Why is it there? What is it trying to tell us? So a lot of the questions I will just have my clients start out by asking themselves is how do I know that I'm stressed? Right? Like, well, a lot of times we don't even know, like, how do you, like, we just walk around saying, well, gosh, I'm so stressed. I'm so stressed. Well, how do you know you're stressed? Right? Where do you feel it? Is it in your mind? Do you have a lot of brain fog? Do you feel like you're really reactive to your environment? Are you yelling at your kids? Are you frustrated with your husband? Like all of those things, like, how do you know your stress? How's it showing up for you? Um, how do you, I'm trying to think, I have four questions. How do you know, where do you feel it in your body? So taking note on those areas that, where do you feel it in your body? Asking yourself, why am I stressed? Like, it's such a simple question, but sometimes we don't even know why we're stressed. So like really coming down, why am I stressed right now? Um, for example, like if my kids, like my kids leave their shoes around all over, like, why are there so many shoes on the floor? And I am frustrated about it every day. But, and if I say that, and that's the thing I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to stick to, right? So that's my, my thing that's going to irritate me every single day. And I'm going to be really stressed out about the shoes because I keep tripping over them. And then I have to step back and say, but is it actually a problem? Is it actually a problem that the shoes are on the floor? And how I know if it's a problem is, does it impact my life in five years? Am I going to remember today that there were shoes on the floor? I'm not. And so now I can step back and I can say, I just choose not to let my energy be focused on the shoes on the floor. If I want to use some energy to move them off the floor, I'll do that. If I want to use some energy to ask my children again, to move the shoes off the floor, I'll do that. Or I'm going to step over them. I'm going to remind myself that it's not a big deal. It's okay that they're on the floor. I don't have to pick up everything. It's okay that I leave some things on the floor. No one's going to die. Everyone's going to be okay if the shoes are on the floor. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I think those questions, I wrote them down myself because I think they're really good journal prompts to help, you know, figure things out, bring that level of awareness so that, like you said, bring it in closer so we can actually deal with it. Then our knee-jerk reaction is to push it as far away as possible because maybe it'll just go away, but I don't think that's true. No, it, and, and it doesn't go away because then we just keep piling it on and on and on and on, right? Like if you think about holding out your hand and we just keep putting rocks into our hand, eventually that's going to get really heavy and we're not going to be able to hold it anymore and we're going to drop it all. And then what it looks like when we drop it all, it's usually not pretty. And then those are the instances where we do something we regret we feel guilty about something we did. We're like, why can't I get it together? Right. So it's just the, that adding up of the things over and over and over again, that ends up to be something that we're just not proud of. Yeah. 
So Melissa, you mentioned something in earlier, this word, um, and I wanted to go back to it. Um, what are some signs that we're approaching burnout? Because I mm. feel like, you know, there, there's stress and then there's burnout. You know, is there a difference? Is it just a layering effect that causes it? And how can mm. we recognize when we may need additional help? Yeah. So some signs of burnout, one of them would be the inability to, like I said before, you know, stress management starts with your sleep. Um, if you are just not able to get sleep, like you, not that your kids are the problem and not that the things around you are a problem, but you lay down and you just cannot fall asleep. You either fall asleep and you, you don't stay asleep or you just can't fall asleep at all. Like you toss and turn all night. You never get good sleep. Your body that's a sign that your body just is not feeling safe enough to be able to get into a deep sleep, right? Why is it continuing to scan your environment? What is it looking for? Um, the other thing is that you are not able to recover from your workouts. So you'll do a workout and it takes you a couple of days to recover. It shouldn't take you a couple of days to recover from a workout or even, you know, longer than that. So, you know, being sore is one thing, but not being able to recover, which means that you go in to do another workout, like two days later, three days later, and you just are so tired. You can't do the workout, right? So you're not recovering. Um, having very poor appetite and hunger signals and cues. A lot of times for women, this will actually look like a very poor appetite. Like you just don't have the drive to eat. You just don't want to eat. You fast for several hours unintentionally, and you just don't have any desire to put forth the effort to make healthy foods. Um, a lot of like losing the umph or the, like the pep in your step just feeling like, oh, it's just another day feeling like my, one of my clients told me this the other day. She said she feels like Eeyore, um, most days of the week. And that just feels like you're just like going through the motions. Right. And so that's, it's different than like, our, you know, depression, depression is something that you would, you know, obviously want to see a medical provider for, but, um, it's more of just like the lack of energy, like never having energy. You just wake up tired. And then, um, a classic symptom of burnout is that you, you might wake up. Okay. Um, but slowly throughout the day, you just get more and more and more tired and you never get another little bit of boost of energy, including after eating, um, typical time is between three and 4 PM. And that's where a lot of women will just completely crash. And it's like, I can't even hardly, I went through this at one point in my life and it was that three to 4 PM mark. And it felt like I was carrying like 20 pound bricks on my legs. Like I would like every step felt so hard and felt so heavy. Um, so those are all signs that, you know, this isn't just a bad day. This isn't just a bad week. Like your body is screaming at you to please take a rest. And it's really hard for women to take a rest because we feel like our life is going to fall apart if we do. Um, but it isn't, we just have to reorganize and restructure and remanage and rethink how we really want things to be. And the healing of burnout is it's not a short process. It is a little bit of a longer process than most women want it to be. Um, but I will say that it's always worth the time and the effort to heal yourself through those, through those tough phases. Yeah. Or, you know, even just creating an opportunity for you to, to reevaluate, like you said, what is, what are my priorities right now? And do I need to start taking things off my plate instead of adding? My husband is really great at always reminding me. He's like, you cannot add unless you subtract somewhere else. You know, yes. so what are you going to subtract if you're going to add this, you know, this 
extra practice to our week? What are you going to, what are you going to subtract if you add another program to your job? Like, I'm like, oh, uh, I don't want to subtract because I like everything, but you know, yeah. but then I get all stressed out and I, then I start to like fall apart and, and then I'm not productive in many areas of my life. And that doesn't feel good either. So, you know, yeah. asking those hard questions. Um, I think, like you said, asking better questions. I think that's what it comes down to. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Melissa, I love this conversation. I know I took a lot away from it. Um, where can we learn more about you and and your work. Yeah, you can um, head to my website. It's melissaikecoaching.com or you can follow, find me on Instagram. That's usually where I hang out. It's at melissa underscore Ike and that's E-I-C-H. Um, those are the two places I usually hang out. I also have a podcast as well. It's called Mindfully Well with Mel. You can find me on Apple. Um, yeah, those are the three places you can usually find me. I love it. Melissa, we always end our podcast with a recipe to share. So I'm going to ask you, is there something that's maybe your go-to breakfast, snack, lunch, quick dinner idea that um, other people could benefit making as well? Yes, I am a huge, um, I, I love my slow cooker and I know I have a lot of, my clients are usually busy moms and you probably have a lot of clients who are very busy as well. And so we have to have really quick, efficient meals and not a lot of time in the kitchen. And so I use, my go-to is, it's very simple. Everyone's probably gonna be able to just not even have to write this down. It's chicken thighs, boneless, skinless chicken thighs, put them in the slow cooker, um, add a teaspoon of minced garlic, salt, and pepper, and sprinkle the top with brown sugar, and then cook it on low for six to eight hours. And then once it's done cooking, just sear it on a um, skillet with some olive oil. And it is perfect. My kids love it. We have it every, <laughs> we have it every week and nobody ever vetoes it. The other thing is if you don't want to just have it as chicken, you can shred it up and use it for all sorts of things, quesadillas, chicken tacos, soups, all kinds of stuff. So I love that idea because I think it's so hard. You know, a lot of people will come to me for like, can you give me some really great, healthy slow cooker recipes? And I'm like, oh, oh, like there's not a ton because a lot of them, use, you know, cans of condensed soup or lots of butter. Oh, and I'm just like, okay, let's see, let me pull out my two that I have. <laughs> and so actually I have, I, I have a, t I have a ton of them. I'll send you a freebie where I have, I have a freebie where it's, it's fall, um, fall recipes. And a lot of them are slow cooker recipes. So you can put them in the show notes if you want. And then that way they'll give your clients a easy go-to for some quick, quick, easy recipes. So perfect. Oh, we will take all of that. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, that's what we have for you today. Thank you as always for joining us. Thank you, Melissa, for being here and being our guest. And we will see you next week. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Nourish Eat Repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review, and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian, or about any of our programs, visit our website at bodymetricshealth.com. You can also find us on socials. We're on Instagram and Facebook at bodymetricshealth. The book Nourish Eat Repeat is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. 
Once again, I'm Adrienne Delgado, and I'll see you next week.